everybody, and welcome once again to another episode of All the WrestleManias. I'm your co-host, Tim Hackman. And I'm your co-host, Rich Sigwald. Thanks so much for joining us once again. We hope you enjoyed our preview episode for WrestleMania 38 and our recent review of WrestleMania 20. And of course, we hope you enjoyed watching two action-packed, I'm not sure if those are the right words, uh, nights of WrestleMania 38 on that first weekend back in April. So back when we were doing the blog, which you can still find at all the WrestleManias.wordpress.com, we took a pause when we got through the first 10 WrestleManias to sort of look back, see where we'd been, record and recount some of our favorite moments, highlights, matches, best performances, et cetera, et cetera. So now that we've reached WrestleMania 20 with our most recent podcast episode, we wanted to kind of take a moment and do the same thing. So here we go with our WrestleMania 11 through 20 retrospective episode. And this is just a reminder that, as always, you can reach us online at allthewrestlemanias.com, on Twitter at WrestleManiaPod, or by email at allthewrestlemanias at gmail.com. And we love comments questions we've had viewer requests we had a request from nick to review wrestlemania 7 so we'll be working on that one here very shortly and hope to get that one up uh, we love hearing from you so please do reach out and, and say what's up yeah we love playing along with you guys so um <laughs> we we've got nothing else going on in our lives nope. so uh we will respond um, oh yeah facebook facebook has like a big like your response rate is a hundred percent. You're like, goddamn right, Facebook. Damn Look right. Let's go. It's like I got we'll nothing t- else to do. <laughs> we'll talk. We'll talk to everybody. Uh, I used to think, you know, my dad would always like talk to random people at like the hardware store, and it used to be so embarrassing. And like now, that's just me, but online. Yeah, pretty much. That's that's the life. I mean, I used to get so embarrassed because my mom would talk to like the waiter at the Sizzler and be like, "He got straight A's last year." Like, <laughs> um. Deborah doesn't care. <laughs> Leave her alone. Not, she's just trying to make some money. All right. Yeah. Yeah. But now that's totally me. It's fine. Now my wife gets embarrassed the way that I used to uh, with my father. My mom never did that as much, but my dad was all about it. My dad would, like, if he could have it, his ideal job would be like just talking to old guys on a bus stop somewhere. I don't know if anybody pays you to do that, but that's what he would do. I mean, really, you just got to stop showing people at Nando's the picture of your dog on your phone. Like, you just got to stop that. No. You know, it's. <laughs> I refuse. I will always show everyone, anyone who asks and anyone who doesn't ask, a picture of my dog. Sometimes I'm just like, hey, do you like dogs? And they're like, no, get away from me. I'm like, no, look at this dog. Seriously. So Anyway. Sir, so, this is a Wendy's. <laughs> sir, this is a Wendy's. Uh, there are no dogs here. Um. All right. So. What did we learn from WrestleManias 11 through 20? You know, what kind of trends and developments did we see? I don't know if you had anything you wanted to start with here. Uh, yeah, I mean, the biggest thing probably is that we saw the start and end of the Attitude Era in this uh, window of WrestleManias. Um, so we saw the end of the gimmick and we saw like the the push towards edgier content and stuff like that. Like, And then like it just kind of sucks away like it, it tapers it's still a little bit there like the trashy treatment of women is still there right but like a lot of things have become tamed down now we also saw a weird flashback to the heyday of wwf with like the return of king kong bundy and bob Backlund and the ultimate warrior came back um and a few of them even got title runs like bob Backlund actually had a had a, a brief run with the heavyweight title 
we felt a main event vacuum with no Hulk Hogan on the card uh, for the majority of these. And then also Hulk Hogan not in the main event. We saw the retirement and the comeback of Shawn Michaels. (laughs) Yeah, he could have stayed retired. We saw pretty much all of Stone Cold Steve Austin's WWF in-ring career. Blessed be his name. In these WrestleManias. We saw The Rock come and go as well. And he will come and go again in sort of the next... 10 years well and even the 10 years after that too so yeah yeah the massive brand expansion and the split that happens when one wrestling superpower buys out another wrestling superpower and the the horrible growing pains that really that came along with it like when your roster doubles in size overnight what do you do about it and we saw an interesting way of dealing with it (laughs) which is not very well on it i gotta say um yeah, I mean the obviously the the Monday Night Wars and the competition with WCW was you know huge for both of those companies and for the overall popularity of professional wrestling. Um and you know it ended as it as it was always bound to do, right, with the loss of one of those companies. And there were really opportunities to you know parlay that into something really spectacular and you know unfortunately it never quite materialized i mean the the upside is that the wwef got uh some really phenomenal talent you know eddie guerrero chris benoit um chris jericho not i won't call him phenomenal but he's pretty good um you know william regal like these guys coming over uh you know really opened up a lot of potential and opportunities for some amazing matches to happen um but there's also like you said the sort of overload right and just trying to what the hell do we do with all these guys um so that's where you get the the wrestlemanias with you know 100 cameos from all these different guys just so they can catch a payday for the pay-per-view it's just a mess and that's why you end up with two tag team champions and two heavyweight champions and and a cruiserweight division and um a bunch of other stuff that's just it's just a whole lot of mess it's a whole lot to follow is a whole lot of storyline and then suddenly ring time actually has to go down and people are fighting to get in the ring i believe the only performers that were at wrestlemania 11 and wrestlemania 20 was Shawn michaels and the undertaker um all the other ones have wow. pretty much revolving talent uh revolving door of a tons of of special people that came in and out um, we saw celebrities go from being eye candy in the audience, like, oh, look, Regis Philbin is here, and oh, look, Muhammad Ali, and blah, 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 to now they're in ring, like Mike Tyson and several others. Uh, they end up in the ring. Um, we had the expansion of gimmick matches. So we have I quit matches, Iron Man matches, street fights, dumpster match. We have ladder matches. It's a it's really interesting how expanded the realm of wrestling became in this time period too. Yeah. And uh you even get a hardcore belt too to go with the hardcore matches. And we also saw the fall of tag teams, but we saw a renaissance in tag team specialists like the Hardy Boys and the Dudleys and Edge and Christian, but then we saw a real lack of care for them. So there's like the last few of the WrestleManias in this group, that's all fatal four ways or triple threat tag matches um, that without really any heat building up for them, they're just like, all right, all the tag teams get out there and fight for the belt tonight. Good call. <laughs> right. Yeah. I don't, you know, we don't really ever get 
we won't ever get a return to sort of the glory days of the the tag team that were sort of the 80s and the very early 90s. Um, you know, when you had the British Bulldogs and the Hart Foundation and the Killer Bees and, uh, you know, all and those other just really amazing warriors and demolition. Oh, my God. And, so many. Uh, this... So many amazing tag teams. That, those days are gone, unfortunately. Yeah. And it, right. Instead, we get some usually it's kind of random people pushed together you know um right so like what the at wrestlemania 20 rvd and booker t are tag champions um right we also did see a resurgence in women's wrestling near the end even though it mostly came through the divas concept we did have like trish stratus and lita and jazz Mm -hmm. ivory and victoria all come up and we have like the women's belt is back suddenly out of nowhere after Alundra Blaze disappeared with it. Yeah, and we watched a lot of WrestleManias that had zero women's matches yeah. on them in this sort of interim period. Um and yeah, I'm glad to see them coming back. And I think, you know, as we get into the next ten, which I don't want to give anything away, but that that women's division will become larger and more active and more robust, I would say. Which is a good Absolutely. development. Absolutely. And they're good matches too near the end. Um that they're having. Uh, but we also had the disappearance really of the intercontinental championship as well. So we had the rock versus Sultan at WrestleMania 13. Then we had Chris Benoit winning it in some weird match at WrestleMania 16. And then we had Rob Van Dam at WrestleMania 18. But other than that, the intercontinental title really doesn't show up. That's a good point. I actually don't know that I had noticed that. I mean, I've, I noticed that the matches weren't there, but I didn't really put it together. Um, right. Again, like going back to the glory days of the eighties and nineties where, you know, guys like Mr. Perfect, like ravishing Rick rude, like uh, Bret Hart, of course, uh, really, you know, carried that intercontinental Macho man, division. ultimate warrior, oh, man, some uh, of the greatest Tito of all Santana. time. Tito. You know, they were all intercontinental champions and their matches were always just as good as the main event. Or even sometimes we're the main event, especially when it was uh, when Warrior and Hulk uh, went at each other. Warrior was the Intercontinental Champ, and Hulk was the Heavyweight Champ. Yeah, well, and don't forget Ricky Steamboat and Randy Savage. Right, WrestleMania oh. three, sort of a co-main event of that WrestleMania. I picked up on obviously some of the the same things that that you did, and you know, one of the things that stands out to me is the how spectacular of a run you know guys like Rock and Stone Cold had, but they are so short and you, I think about it, I think back and it seemed like they were on TV forever, you know, cause we watched them every damn week, week in, week out. And they were just such a part of my viewing experience and my life. Uh, it just seemed like they were there forever, but it's a relatively short yeah. window. Um, and it's, so it's interesting to kind of see that in retrospect. Um, we definitely kind of suffered through the, a massive loss of talent to the WCW at one point uh, before that all came flooding back, of course. Yeah, um, I mean, what? And we then, had Hulk Hogan at all first nine? Yeah, one through yeah, nine. So that's a hell of a run compared Even, when you look at The Rock, who <laughs> The Rock is like just like a fizzle, in, in, and like Stone Cold is just a flash in the pan compared to right. Hulk Hogan's run or Bret Hart's run. Bret Hart's there since WrestleMania 2. Yeah, for sure. And then we didn't mention the ruthless aggression era, um, which kind of takes the end of the attitude era and tries to keep some of the edgy stuff and kind of start building some new personalities. That's when we get, 
you know, Randy Orton and Batista and Ric Flair comes back and um, Triple H obviously becomes a big deal and gets a push, despite the fact that I don't think any of us were really asking for it. And there's a few other, of course, stars that I think we start to see at the end of this 10, this set of 10 WrestleManias and who will become a bigger deal in the next. Yeah, I mean, we get blessed with Kurt Angle and Brock Lesnar, a couple shooters, you know, and that's. That's something that we hadn't seen in a very long time in the WrestleManias is is uh, two guys with legit cred and seeing them throw down. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I think of these 10, you know, the last one I can think of was probably Bob Backlund versus Bret Hart um, from WrestleMania 11, which is a terrible match, by the way. Um, it's not either of those guys' fault. It's just sort of the, the gimmick and the guest referee situation there, but... What do you say, Brett? Um, what do you say? What do you say? What do you say? <laughs> what do you say? What do you say? Get that mic out of my mouth. Yeah, get, oh my a, get out of here. It's so annoying. <laughs> the whole match is so annoying. It's it's. We don't have a superlative. We should have one for the worst Brett match of a WrestleMania. That that's the one. Um, again, not his fault. Just a bad gimmick. Not very well it's thought. It's not out. even that horrible so. of a match. It is literally the guest referee yeah. that won't get out of your goddamn face. <laughs> yeah, Pipe, if you haven't seen it, Piper is shoving a microphone in Brett's face constantly. What do you say? What do you say? And, you know, trying to get him to say the words, I quit. Um, you know, he's not going to say it. All right. Anything else in sort of big picture stuff for WrestleMania's 11 through 20 that we want to call out? There was one thing that I had started, I had started deciding to dig through, and that was what talent did WWE have in their roster? Who's hanging out in the locker room that never actually showed up in one of these WrestleManias. Um, Now this is just WrestleMania 11 through 20. Um, So some of the big names, uh, um, the Bushwhackers, they're still on the roster for some of this part and they never, they never show up. Yeah. Marty Jannetty is still there. Really? Marty Jannetty is still floating around. Oh, uh, we have Haku slash Meng. He came over. Uh, uh, K Quick slash R Truth is on the roster at WrestleMania 17. Oh, shit. Uh, Christopher Daniels is on the roster during 14, 15, and 16. Uh, Brian Pillman was on the roster. Uh, Mabel slash Viscera was on the roster. And probably the biggest surprise was that Mark Henry was there all through this entire run and never shows up on WrestleMania. And like he's wow. even part of the Nation of Domination, but the WrestleMania where they come out, he doesn't come out with them. Interesting. I wonder what's going yeah, on with that. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Uh, also, an interesting name, Nicole Bass. I don't know if you remember Nicole Bass. So I initially remember Nicole Bass from the Howard Stern show. She was a member of the Whack Pack. She was a female bodybuilder that had a very deep voice, and they would sometimes tease her about actually being a man. Um, but she was in the WWE briefly as like a challenge to like China and like she was a big, she, if you thought China was big and ripped Nicole Bass, uh, if you ever have time, give yourself a moment to Google her and be in awe of her definition. <laughs> I, I don't know if I remember her at all. Yeah. I'll, I'll do some Googling. Maybe I'll switch over to uh incognito tab first. Probably a good plan. Also, uh, Lance Starm and Hugh Morris, are both on the WWE roster after the WCW merger, yet they don't get a uh, a WrestleMania spot. They might have shown up in like during the free for all 
the buy-in time period to try and get you to buy the pay-per-view in that match, but they never had a match on the official like WrestleMania card. Hmm. That's too bad. I always kind of like Lance Storm. Yeah, I think he might. I think he might show up in like some of the twenty-one to thirty, but uh, he does not show up in our eleven to twenty run. Bunch of BS. I know. Lance Storm, call your agent. Let's go with our worst WrestleMania first. And again, we're just talking eleven through twenty. Uh, what would be your pick for that, Rich? I am actually tied between 11 and 15. Hmm. Okay. So let's hear the arguments. 15 has the Butterbean versus Bart Gunn boxing match, which is fucking Yeah. Uh, I actually thought that was pretty amusing because I really like boxing knockouts, and I really like it. <laughs> I was I was legit worried about Bart Gunn, though, after that, because he, like, really... Yeah. He really got, like, legit... That was the clocked. end of him. That was the end of his career, pretty much. Um, <laughs> I do... Oh. I. So the reason why I kind of liked it is that the thing is, is that this taught WWE to stop fucking around with like real combat sports. Right. If you're going to, you're going to have a boxing tournament, you're going to put a bunch of wrestlers in it that are used to shoot punches. And then you're going to put a real goddamn boxer in there like Butterbean. You got to under, you got to recognize that your talent's going to get knocked the fuck out. Like Somebody's going like, to get hurt. There's no way anybody went into that thinking that, oh, well, I think Bart Gunn has a chance against Butterbean. <laughs> yeah, no, Butterbean, uh, if you all don't remember, was knocking people out left and right. He was a big old fat dude. Um, he kind of looked like Michael Chiklis on a uh, diet of nothing but Crisco. He's literally um, King Hippo from Punch-Out! Come Alive. <laughs> he really is. He really is. Um, yeah, and he, his whole gimmick was he was he was like a you know tough man contest kind of guy, and he just got in the boxing ring and he would just knock. Yeah, he out. doesn't need to be um, in good shape if if he can knock your ass out in fifteen seconds. He doesn't need to he doesn't need to go more than a round. So I would say, you know, my argument against fifteen, and I, obviously I'm not looking at the whole card. My argument against fifteen was that that main event match was Stone Cold and The Rock in their no DQ match where they kill multiple referees uh, is is a really good one. Um, and that one's was enough to bring that one up a few points in my estimation. Yeah, I mean, I have that one flagged as as one of my favorite matches. But Shane McMahon versus X Pac, Undertaker versus Big Boss Man, and then hanging to Big Boss Man. Um, but then Boss Man's fine. Um, <laughs> Mankind versus Big Show was god awful. Oh Jesus! Oh, I forgot about that. I blacked it out. Road Dog for uh, beating. Gold Dust and Ken Shamrock and Val Venus in a four-way match. I guess that is an intercontinental title match. Yeah, it, it's uh and then Hardcore Holly uh defeating Al Snow. Like it there's this Owen Hart and Jeff Jarrett defeating D'Lo Brown and Test. Like I just don't Sable and Tori was terrible. Like there's nothing on this card that like saves it. Like it's just like I would fast forward for the first two hours just to get to Stone Cold and The Rock. And even that match, in my opinion, if you remember right, we kind of railed against that match a bit because it didn't need to be a no disqualification match. We would have we would have preferred to right. see them just work a straight match in the ring and see what they can really do yeah. instead of just hitting each other with the ring bells and chairs like <laughs> And and that one's uh, yeah that one I think we sort of called out as kind of unnecessarily extreme. There's like you know a lot of dropping each other on like lighting rigs and like I said they I, they kill several referees in the course of that match. 
I think I don't know if Mike Kyoto was ever the same. Actually, if he took a chair he to twitches the face. a little bit. Um, now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I, I mean, that's a solid contender for the worst uh, of this batch. I mean, I had picked eleven. Um, because that's one that we flagged as the worst, oh, yeah. the worst since WrestleMania two, I believe we called it when we first uh, did the write up for it. Um, and it's a really bad one. And I think maybe it's especially bad after WrestleMania 10 had been so damn good and we were like so pumped and, you know, and then to follow it up with this turd of a show, um, as I mentioned, it has the worst Brett match, the, you know, the I quit match with Bob Backlund and Piper screaming all the time. There's a bad Undertaker versus King Kong Bundy match that doesn't go anywhere. Um, Diesel and Sean, I uh, have almost zero recollection in that match, but I, so it must not have done anything for me. The main event, if you are lucky enough to not remember, is Lawrence Taylor, football player Lawrence Taylor, versus Bam Bam Bigelow, noted main event wrestler Bam Bam Bigelow. Um, and the only, the upside of that one is I always like Bam Bam Bigelow, actually. He's a, really agile fat guy, which I always like. Um, and Lawrence Taylor apparently had some decent training cause he actually does some wrestling moves and does a surprisingly good job, but it's still, you know, a football player versus sort of a gimmick guy. And you know, on top of that, each of those guys has like a hundred people with him at ringside, including like half of the active NFL that year. So that, I don't know, 11 was really bad. Like I don't, I'd have to maybe put it up next to 15 and, and maybe do some, Side by side. 11 was rough uh, just because it had Lex Luger and British Bulldog did not work well as a tag team uh, in the first match. Razor Ramon is major face now and is facing Jeff Jarrett, who we hate. Boo, Jeff Jarrett. Undertaker versus King Kong Bundy is this weird and not like it's the comeback of King Kong Bundy, basically, and it just doesn't work. We have... Owen Hart and Yokozuna where um and they're they're working heel, but Owen Hart is carrying that match. Yeah, I remember Yokozuna kind of just doing a lot of the old Andre the Giant yeah. kind of just standing in the corner leaning on the ropes for the duration. Yeah, and then Brett and Bob and then like you said, we can't remember the Diesel and Shawn Michaels match. Yeah. And then the Lawrence Taylor and Bam Bam Bigelow, it's like I can't get behind a non-wrestler, even though Lawrence Taylor did more than what we expected. It's still not good. <laughs> yeah, he acquits himself fairly well. I I gotta say, you know, kudos to that guy. You, and you can tell he's he's an athlete. He's a tough guy. Like again, somebody clearly worked with him. He does a bulldog that's like you know is is passable. Um, but okay, so I don't know. We, we may not settle this one. And that's okay. Um, but if you have a least favorite WrestleMania tweet at us or email us or leave a comment and let us know which one it is. And um, we'll tell you why you're wrong or not. <laughs> um, so do you have what, what is your uh, best WrestleMania then out of this batch? Oh gosh. This was tough. Honestly, I yeah. thought it would be kind of easy. And then when I started looking at the cards side by side, I'm like, Oh, actually I don't know. WrestleMania 12 is up there because of the Iron Man match. But I mean, it also loses points of that uh, three-tiered Piper or Gold uh, Gold Dust match, the the homophobia match. Yeah, um, yeah. That one. The only thing that one wins is most homophobic WrestleMania moments. Yeah. Twelve also has the first Stone Cold WrestleMania, yeah. although it's sort of an underneath, uh, you know, thing with Savio Vega, which is not great. 
it has Undertaker and his stupid mask uh, phase versus Diesel. That sixty minute that Iron Man match between Sean and Brett is is pretty yeah. Amazing that's really though. all I remember from that WrestleMania is that Iron Man match, and that's 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 saying something. So it's kind of the opposite of the uh, of WrestleMania 11, where we have no recollection of the <laughs> Diesel versus Sean match, but we can remember Brett versus Sean very clearly. But like, also for some reason, 17 is up there for me too, just because Angle versus Chris Benoit was so damn good. Yeah, that one was excellent. That one also has Stone Cold versus The Rock Part Two. It's the second of their trio of WrestleMania. Uh, matches um there's a eddie guerrero versus test match that was pretty decent i think we liked that one the main event well the secondary main event i guess is undertaker and triple h and that that was that was boring i didn't care for that well i mean triple h is in that so it's gotta be boring why is he so boring i don't understand i don't know i'm sure we're going to catch hell from people for saying that triple h is boring but (laughs) triple h is boring i mean I respect his hustle and stuff, and but like seriously, I he, again, he just he he never did anything for yeah. me. Yeah, he's a specimen, and that's the the thing that that's crazy about it is he looks like a million bucks. Uh, you know, he's got a great gimmick, he's got a great entrance, and then and he can work, but it just uh, you I know, know I think seventeen is gonna gonna bypass twelve for me, just because twelve also has the Ultimate Warrior sm- squash match over Triple H. Oh right, but thirteen. As Brett versus Austin and the bloody mask, the crimson mask. <laughs> yeah, that match uh, gets 10 million yeah. points. I think I might have to go with WrestleMania 13. That's a good one. Um, the other the other decent um, match on that card, or the one that we I remember we kind of liked, was um, Rocky Maivia, you know, Rock's earliest uh, gimmick versus the yeah. Sultan, who is his cousin. Is that, that's, that's Rikishi, Rikishi yeah. right? Uh, and then there's an appearance by the Iron Sheik, and then Rocky Johnson, you know, the Rock's dad, comes out and makes a save at the end of that one, which was a really cool moment. So that's a that's a fantastic one. I actually went with WrestleMania 14, which maybe is a little unconventional. Um, and here's here's why. Um, I think so. First of all, it's got the main event with Stone Cold versus Shawn Michaels, which was a really good one. And it's got you know Mike Tyson's the right. guest referee, and he he does some fun stuff. It's got that really awesome or meme worthy moment with, uh, uh, stone cold giving Sean the middle finger. Um, so that, you know, that's worth something. There's a really good match in sort of the undertaker Kane pantheon there. Uh, there's even a hardcore match that I actually didn't hate, which is unusual for me. And that's because it involves Terry Funk and Mick Foley in a dumpster match. Oh yeah. That um, had the, Terry the, Funk uh, the forklift spot. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> and there's ladders and they fall off ladders into the dumpsters. And like that match was actually way oh, more fun. Right. Than was that um, Mick Foley is up on the, on the ladder and goes flying out of the ring into the, into the, dumpster. the dumpster. Oh yeah. God. That looked rough over the, over the top <laughs> rope. Yeah. Um, that's against new yeah. age outlaws. Right. Terry Funk. <laughs> Minor points off because Terry Funk is going by Chainsaw Charlie in that one. And it's like, you know, it's goddamn Terry Funk. Like, it's like, stop it. It's so that WWE can't own his name. That's why. <laughs> so dumb. So dumb. And then the la- the the coup de grace, as it were, is that WrestleMania 14 also has that, that chair shot with The Rock on Ken Shamrock. 
that I still feel in the balls of my feet uh, when yeah, I yeah my see legs the, tingle the gif of when that. I see that. <laughs> How do you think oh, Ken Shamrock feels? He doesn't remember it. He's fine. <laughs> so I think fourteen. Fourteen is also kind of a perfect encapsulation of the attitude area. Mm-hmm. Like I think when I think about it, I think about that poster with Austin and Michaels and uh, Mike Tyson staring out at you. So it's kind of like yeah, it's sort of like a like a time capsule moment. Yeah, and Austin do- and um, Tyson doing the double cross. Right. And he knocks out Sean yeah. at the end. So, you know, triple points for that. It's also an interesting time capsule for the inclusion of the light heavyweight championship title match, which I think is the only WrestleMania to feature one of those matches. It was kind of like one of those just little flash moments. The WWF is like, oh, we should do this because this is popular. And then they just never mentioned it again. Yeah, that was the Taka yeah. Michinoku match. And it was a decent right? match. Yeah, it was a good that, match. Um, but then they're just like, oh, we, yeah, we never we forgot all about that anyway. All right, so there you have it. So Rich has picked WrestleMania 13, which is top-notch. Yeah. I have picked WrestleMania 14 as our personal favorites. Again, tweet at us. Leave us a comment. Tell us what your favorite is. We'll tell you why you're wrong. I think WrestleMania 17 or X7 is actually the most overrated of the WrestleManias from this batch. It's one that I hear a lot of people talk about as the best one of all time. Yeah. Um, But... That that Triple H Undertaker main event is boring. The Stone Cold Rock match doesn't really live up to the their earlier matches. There is a really good Austin heel turn at the end of that one, and there's that absolute sleeper of a match between Benoit and Angle. But um, the rest of that card is kind of bleh. Seventeen is the one that uh, Stone Cold said was his favorite. Yeah, which always kind of surprised me. And I don't know. I, I imagine part of it's got to be just that he's most proud of the work that he did on that one because. Because, I mean, it is dramatic at the end when, like, he's beating the shit out of The Rock and The Rock still won't won't give in. And then finally he, he accepts help from McMahon, his nemesis, to beat The Rock. Like, so that's that's some that's some hella good storytelling on his part. Yeah. Um, but that doesn't make the match good. <laughs> and there's some. Um, well, I mean, I should say right. great. Because, I mean. I think you have certain expectations coming in because it is Stone Cold and The Rock. So if it was anybody else that had that match, if that was like Test and Triple H having that match, we'd be like, that is the best Test match and that is the best Triple H match we'd ever seen. But because (laughs) it's The Rock and Stone Cold and they're two guys that we expect another level out of because they're on a different level than everybody else on the roster at that point, I think it it just comes off as, as mediocre. But yeah, I probably would be with you with with the overrated um listing for for WrestleMania 17 even though that Angle Benoit match who yeah is a gift to mankind. <laughs> that's a barn burner. That's that's incredible. I've watched it several times since um since we did our original watch of it and it's man, those guys really bring it. Did you have an underrated one? Did you make a pick for underrated? Probably the under, most underrated I would probably put WrestleMania 14. You don't hear a lot of people talk about WrestleMania 14, right? I Yeah, I agree, actually. That's the one that I kind of thought, like, for all the really cool stuff that happens in that one, it doesn't get brought up that much. And my here's my thesis on that. Is it because it, it's because it is so tied to a particular time and place in the Attitude Era, you know? And again, that poster, um, it seems maybe it's kind of like frozen uh, in a way that some of the others aren't. I think it's. I still think it's really good. 
yeah, I mean, Mike Tyson has dropped out of the out of the limelight for the most part. But you have the Undertaker versus Kane match, which was very good for two big guys. Yeah, you know, and we have the Taka Michinoku match against Aguila, who's S.A. Rios. Um, but Taka Michinoku and that and Aguila put on a great match for us. There again, the light light heavyweight yeah. kind of went away after that. So it's like, what what right. is there to remind you of that stuff that happened at that WrestleMania 14? You know, right? Um, we forget about that the Legion of Doom fought the comeback new Midnight Express with Jim Cornette. <laughs> yeah, and we have the Rock. Uh, crushing Ken Shamrock's skull and like yeah yeah you have some good moments on this card and some good matches on this card that you just don't hear a lot about I guess on this card Mark Henry does show up ringside but I mean he doesn't have a match like that's weird. yeah and that dude could work I I used to love him it's a shame hopefully yeah. he'll be more on screen for the next batch. I mean, what we talked about him in our um, black representation and professional wrestling a bit where like he was what, 14 years with the company before he got a title shot. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. He was a stalwart. So, so I wrote down some other like best and worst, but I, I know that you did the same. You have any best, worst, whatever that you want to call attention to. So we had talked about announcers on the last one and I thought it would be a good spot to where we, where like really this era is defined by the voice of Jim Ross. Yeah. Um, and I think that's really important to note that like Jim Ross is the storyteller of the attitude era and has a tremendous influence to shaping everything with wrestling at this time period. And still to this day, like you put Jim Ross's voice on your wrestling match and it adds a level of authority to it. Yeah. Um, well, <laughs> so, like, if you could pay Jim Ross ten grand to come out and call your backyard wrestling match and throw it on YouTube, you're going to get some sort of credit out of it just because Jim Ross is calling your match. Yeah. So Stone Cold is great, obviously, but, like, there's something next level about a Stone Cold match called by Jim Ross. You know, it's, like, just the perfect combination of medium and messenger, you know? And, yeah, well, and, and the other the other evidence of this is that anytime there's a halfway entertaining, like, fight video or... Or uh, celebrity slapping another celebrity, for example, somebody takes Jim Ross's commentary and lays it over it and puts a video up on YouTube and it takes it to the next next level. And like before Jim Ross is in WWE, he's doing announcing elsewhere. And, you know, we even talk about how interesting and great his announcing is on the Chi-Town Rumble. So, but before this, WWF's commentary was really Gorilla Monsoon and heel talent. So you would have, you would. This is basically the formula of how it would go. It'd be Gorilla Monsoon would say, "Oh, he landed a punch to the bread basket to the solar plexus, and then he landed a suplex and put him in a cross face." And then you would have, "Let me tell you something, Gino. <laughs> this is something racist that's coming out of my mouth." <laughs> and now we have Jim Ross telling us stories like. Nobody's really calling moves except for every once in a while, Jim Ross be like, oh, that's a slobber knocker or, oh, that's a great suplex. He's really got some good mat technique. And then Jerry Lawler goes, puppies. <laughs> that's that's really the attitude here yeah. is commentation. And so that's why now Jim Ross is so stuck there because Jim Ross was telling us the story of what we were seeing. 
in those matches. And so that's why we all can hear Jim Ross's voice when the Undertaker threw Mankind off the top of the hell in the cell. We can hear Jim Ross's voice when we see Stone Cold in a sharpshooter from Bret Hart. It's 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 the storytelling that he did for us that really um really brought the era together. Yeah, I agree. Um he's he's my favorite probably. He's my favorite post Gorilla Monsoon commentator. Um Gorilla Monsoon was fantastic. I love that guy to death. Um but there's nobody replacing no, Gorilla but Monsoon. They, right, you're right. It's a very different kind of thing that's going on. Um I think honestly you know, Gorilla sort of had the kind of more old school wrestling, almost like he was doing it on radio, uh, where you have to sort of describe, you know, what's happening. Whereas Jim Ross definitely came out of the television broadcasting school, right? And he knows that we can see just as well as he can what's going on. His job is to fill in the story around it, you know. And if you listen to like football announcing or whatever, like, yes, they tell you what the plays are. Um, but a lot of it is about, you know, what's, what's this player all about? What's that player all about? How long has he been there? What do they want from him, from a team? Um, and, and that's, that's a lot of what Jim Ross did here. It's like, why is, why is Austin mad at this guy? Why is Austin mad at that guy? Gee, Austin sure is mad at a lot of people. It's also a change in the approach to professional wrestling as well, to where Gorilla Monsoon was calling it like an actual athletic competition. He's calling the moves. He's talking about injuries and stuff like that. While Jim Ross, uh, wrestling has now shifted to the story that's happening. Uh, it's, tap- it's shifting to the behind the scenes things that are happening in the locker room and like confrontations happening backstage. And they are eventually settled out in the ring. And Jim Ross is telling that story to you while they're in the ring settling the dispute. And so that's really the change. So there's still some call of action happening. And it's interesting now, if you listen to Jim Ross on AEW now, he's a lot more like Gorilla Monsoon of like talking about what wrestlers should be doing and and what the wrestlers do and and moves and injuries and stuff and kind of like almost calling out the talent nowadays on AEW like uh that match recently that was on Dynamite where he literally said I hope the boys in the locker room were watching that one because they need to take some notes from this <laughs> like yeah damn way to call out your yeah. your co-worker yeah no I definitely get the sense that he's um maybe getting a little bit annoyed or or aggravated by some of the garbage that he has to watch week in week week out on AEW and I like AEW but but goddamn this guy's um uh, needs some practice sometimes so I think I think that's a great role for him honestly there as a sort of like as yeah. an old head right who like just doesn't give a shit anymore he's like yeah this is garbage their AEW stories just aren't as linear and as clear as WWE's storytelling was in in the attitude era but the attitude era and the end of the attitude era and going into the ruthless aggression is equally soiled by the rise of Michael Cole. <laughs> we hate that guy. Oh, I rage at him every single time he talks <laughs> really in these bad. WrestleManias. He's really bad. And I know we're just approaching, we're approaching a realm of where it's going to be more Michael Cole all the time. And I might have to quit the podcast. Yeah. Maybe we could just watch it on mute. I don't know. Um, it's, it's not good. I don't want to. I don't want to turn this into a shit on Michael Cole session. So maybe we should just keep moving. But um, no, 
we can move on. But great. I mean, that's the big shift between the Attitude Era to the Ruthless Aggression that like not a lot of people talk about. And, and it's it's Michael Cole uh, taking over the some of the storytelling from Jim Ross. Yeah, 100 percent. All right. So long story short, Michael Cole sucks. Jim Ross rules um, onward and upward. Did you make any other lists for these uh, WrestleManias? Um, so I highlighted three underrated stars that were in in these WrestleManias, okay. and those three are going to be Goldust, Chris Benoit, and Owen nice. Hart. And I know that we see Chris Benoit win the Intercontinental Belt, and we see him win the World Championship, but it still feels like there's some moments to where he was underutilized. Owen Hart always felt he was underutilized, um, especially after you have him beat Brett at WrestleMania 10 and then Brett wins the championship later that night. But then it just next, the next WrestleMania should have been Brett versus Owen in the main event for the title. Like, I don't, I don't understand. I'm sure they, I'm pretty certain that they resolved that feud a little bit in the middle there between those two WrestleManias, but still, still should have been something. Yeah. For, for, um, as monumental of a talent as Owen Hart was, there's really not much for him to do at these WrestleManias. Uh, which is a shame because he's he he um has like you said has a lot more to do at some of the other pay per views around especially around the early part of this stretch, um so maybe we can watch some of those and and kind of dig into some of his other work. Yeah, and then you have Goldust, who's comes from wrestling royalty, and is arguably the best worker of all. <laughs> yeah. Of 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 the three known Rhodeses, and he's also being bold in doing this androgynous gimmick that he does. And it's very well thought out. Like his promos are all movie quotes and, and it's like a fully developed character and stuff, but then he's what? in? Uh, I mean, we're just only looking at WrestleManias, but he's just in like a fight with pipe Piper where he gets his ass beat in three different locations. <laughs> he basically gets gay bashed. Right. I don't know. I just felt like they could have done more with him as a talent. And I know that he was also doing, having some personal struggles in there, but yeah, he's an all, he's an all timer. And every time he shows up, he's a commanding presence. And like you said, he's an amazing worker. Yeah. Um, the commitment to that gimmick in the nineties, which is man, it was, it was a pretty homophobic time. You know, I've been going to high school in the nineties. I can tell you like kids, you know, you could easily call anybody the F word and not yeah. have any consequence. Yeah, seriously. To, you know? uh, you're lucky if your teacher didn't call you that some days. Um, right. And the other thing I always liked about him is the production values. Like, you know, he always had that, that intro with the, um, you know, the glitter on the screen and the lights down and, you know, just, just a fantastic gimmick. And like, he, he friggin' went for it, you know, like, I don't know if that was his idea. Um, I haven't done enough reading on that to know, but like, whether or not it was, he just like he didn't half-ass it. That's for sure. Yeah, it's probably one of the most well-rounded character gimmicks of this era. Um, besides, like the Undertaker, that character is still discussed now. Can I add one more underutilized or maybe underrated or un- underappreciated? Oh, sure. And that is Booker T. And we talked oh, yeah. a little bit about the reasons for that, which is you know he got sort of buried in the middle. Uh, kind of mid-card position uh, coming over with that from WCW and they didn't really know what to do with him. They kind of tied him into a bunch of kind of racist storylines stuff, but man, that guy is such an athlete and such a worker 
he has some really excellent moments at WrestleMania's, I think it's 18 and 19 for sure. I wish to God that we had gotten a little bit more of him. So again, maybe a good argument for going and watching some of the other pay-per-views from around that time. Chase Booker T's uh, matches, that would be great, especially, and even to flip over to WCW and watch some of his stuff on there and like watch him and Stevie Ray and Harlem Heat. Harlem Heat um, with Sherry. Um, yeah. Man, love those guys. All right. The worst gimmicks. Uh, so I have four of them. And so one of them is the Godwins. <laughs> no one fucking believes that pig farmers came to the WWF to wrestle. Um, I know it's true. Uh, the body Donnas, lame, uh, fitness, fitness freaks, the all American Lex Luger gimmick push that they did with him, trying to make him the next Hulk Hogan, trying to fill that gap, uh, was an utter failure and a terrible idea. Um, Lex Luger was recognizable enough to wrestling fans to recognize him from his NWA Jim Crockett promotion stuff to know that who he is. And like you introduce him as the narcissist Lex Luger where he's just like posing in front of a mirror. And then the next day he's body slamming Yokozuna and he's all American. Like <laughs> he did it on a battleship though, or an aircraft carrier. So he did it for America. Narcissist and all yeah. American. Same it's a, thing. It's, it's basically a, uh, it's a stunning indictment of our foreign policy. Yeah. And then the last one, and it's one that this person is held on to still. And that is country music star, Jeff Jarrett fuck jeff jarrett he still smash he still smashes people with guitars nobody believes that you're a country music no. star no one believes that you no. can sing no one thinks that the road dog was your real no. roadie and your your wrestling get up is stupid is like that shirt with like the collar and then like l- like laces to <laughs> like like straps that connect to your belt it's a stupid look and you're a stupid person and it's a stupid wrestler and it's a stupid gimmick and your country music story is stupid wow. too there's a lot of there's a lot of anger he uh he does tweet a bunch of uh, bible quotes so that should you know that should help um no, <laughs> Rick Flair gonna, rip off. That's what I was face. about to say. He's just a, he's a Rip Flair. He's he's country music Rick Flair, which nobody asked for, nobody wanted. Any other superlatives uh, that you wanted to take note of? So I put down the best talker of the era is The Rock. Yes. It, this era is defined by The Rock and his promos and his millions and millions. But along those lines, the era is also defined by the Stone Cold Stunner. If Stone Cold is on screen talking to you. Within five minutes, you're going to be unconscious on the floor <laughs> after suffering a stu- after suffering a stunner. Somebody's getting it's a stunner. Just, yeah, I'm waiting for Stone Cold to like give Ice T the stunner on that uh, yeah. Tide commercial. Like that's how, just, I, that's how I want those to end. Use cold water because Stone Cold said so. Damn. Stunner, glass like, break, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, great. Yeah, no, absolutely defining move. Again, talk about an absolute match between like star and move and persona everything about it is badass it's bare bones there's no frills you know it's like it's like that skull on his vest you know it's just fuck you dead and it can come out of nowhere yeah. like a texas yeah, rattlesnake that's always great um i flagged of my favorite heels from this time period are kurt angle gold dust and mr mcmahon hmm. those are good ones um, I think I think they're the three best heels of this whole thing. Um, I mean, Mr. McMahon character is probably one of the most evil heels of all wrestling kind. 
he's predatory capitalism personified, right? Like, um, he doesn't right. care about his workers. He only cares about his own ego. Yeah. No, he's, he's a fantastic character. Um, can I add, uh, Eddie Guerrero to your list? Like, he's, oh, yeah. he's such a great heel, but the thing that makes him a really amazing heel is like, everybody still cheers for him anyway. Cause like, he's so damn likable and he's like handsome and ripped and like, can work his ass off so everybody knows that he lies cheats and steals but they you know they still go for him anyway you're charmed by him you can't help it i mean this charm those pearly whites kurt angle i agree is a fantastic heel and has some of the all-timer moments from these wrestlemanias i mean we talked about that benoit match he's in that match against guerrero in number 20 he's in that match against lesnar in 19 i mean he's in two of my top five matches yeah Thank so. God for Kurt Angle during this period. He's even in a, a three-way match that I think we actually like. That has Benoit and Jericho and yeah. Angle. That's from WrestleMania 16 from 2000. Yeah, an overlooked yeah. match. So Piper is, is technically the face in that homophobic thing it, that happens in uh, WrestleMania 12 with Goldust, right? Goldust is the heel. Yeah, there's no winners yeah. in that. You know, you try not to apply today's morality to art of the past, but like... Watching that now, like, yeah, Piper's uh, just kind of gay bashing this guy. So maybe he's not the fun trickster we all thought. You also think about, like, you put that in the context, too, that we we had also already seen Piper in half blackface, too. Yeah. In this in this ongoing project of ours. And so it doesn't it doesn't help that, like, when we're if we're sticking just to WrestleMania is like the only thing we've really seen him do is fight Mr. T fight bad news Brown and taunt bad news Brown by being in half blackface and beat up uh, an androgynous character that may or may not be gay, even though he has a wife. (laughs) Marlena is his wife. Right. Well, she was his manager. Um, She's his kayfabe manager, right? Like Marlena is Dustin's real life. I think also kayfabe wife and real life wife. I think, I think they even say that she's gold. Interesting. So, Hmm. He just doesn't like gold dust because he supposedly wears like women's yeah. underwear. And then he gets stripped down in the ring and approves that yeah. he does. And this podcast doesn't kink shame, as we've said multiple yeah. times. Whatever you're so. into, man, it's great. So on each of our episode reviews, we usually pick a holy shit moment. You know, sort of the moment that would elicit the holy shit chant uh, or one that just really made us sit up and take notice. I have... I have I have a tie I think for mine for the overall for eleven through twenty so it's either the Rock killing Shen, Ken Shamrock with the chair from WrestleMania fourteen or it's the Rock and Stone Cold killing multiple referees with chairs in WrestleMania fifteen those are those are mine and I have a hard time I, I, you could flip a coin but you know why would you want to that's just we're just gonna let them both shine in their way I have two and mine are actually from later in this. Uh in this window of WrestleManias and it's, it's pretty much a push as well for me between the undertaker coming back as the dead man at WrestleMania 20 and that whole entrance and the pomp and circumstances happening with that. And like, he's even got Paul bearer with him, and there's dudes with torches. He's got (laughs) two different entrance musics. Like, holy shit. I knew you would pick that one. That would have to be there. But the other one, is going to be Brock Lesnar's shooting star press Yikes. botch. Yeah. And it's not because I think he was crazy doing it. We know that 
This is a move that was in Brock's re- repertoire. It's just so scary. And there's a certain amount of bravery that goes into professional wrestling. And like even Jim Cornette talked about this uh, when talking about the injury that happened to Big E. Like, why are you doing that bump outside of the ring? And it's kind of like, why was Brock Lesnar doing this bump? But it's it's also... The thing is, is that him and Kurt in this match were basically at a stalemate. They're countering each other. They're constantly going at it. And Brock was just, and so like him going for the shooting star press makes storytelling sense. And like Brock Lesnar's just like, I got to pull out all the stops to try and put this guy down. I'm going to go to the top rope and I'm going to fly like a goddamn eagle. (laughs) And it almost Almost. worked. Um, (laughs) Missed it by that much, as I used to say. Honestly, if Brock had been seriously injured, we would not put it on there because it's not its not a joke what happened to him, and it's scary. But when you see it, and I remember seeing it when WrestleMania 19 first aired, going, holy shit. <laughs> like, yeah. watching it again now, 19 years later, it was again, holy shit. <laughs> Whoa, man. God well, I damn. I kind of feel like, like if you were in the... Like, it was the oh shit, holy yeah. shit, goddamn Jesus Christ <laughs> moment. Like if you were in the crowd for that though, I feel like the reaction would probably be more of like stunned silence than because you don't want to do a holy shit chant if the guy is actually laying there with a broken neck. That's not that's not a good look. But yeah, no, it's no. it's very um, it's stunning still. Um, it's 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 legit scary. But like the but also just like the look of the moment. Like I was already saying oh shit when like Brock starts climbing the ropes and then you say, Oh shit again, when he jumps and then you say, Oh shit again, when you see the move that he's trying to do by the rotation he's doing in the air. And then you say, Oh shit again, when he lands on his head, that's a whole lot of shit. It's a spectacularly crazy moment. Yeah. Can you imagine Um, that? I I think, I think people just don't talk about it because of, of its result, but it's, I, I, I can still see it in my mind. I can still, it makes my legs tingle. It's, it's that moment for me. Yeah. Those are some good ones. I knew you would pick that Undertaker moment because I, how can I not? I'm a fucking Mark. I know you were were going to flip out the the minute that whole thing started (laughs) when I was watching. I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to have to call Rich and make sure he's all right. I started bouncing in my seat like a kindergartner. Like, (laughs) your wife starts to get nervous. Yeah. All right. So we're almost to the end. I think uh, we're going to run down our our favorite, our best five matches from these WrestleManias. Um, let's start at the top with number five. So, what was your pick for your best match? Fifth, fifth best match from WrestleManias eleven through twenty. And that's going to be for me. It's going to be Rock versus Stone Cold at WrestleMania fifteen. Um, we talked about how. Like this match, I imagine would have been a lot better if it had been a straight match. I can imagine these two guys really working and telling a story in the ring better than just like throwing shit at each other for 20 minutes. Um, but it's still compelling. It's still really good. Um, and so that's going to be, it, it would probably be higher in this list, if not number one, if it had been a clean match. Yeah, that's a good one. That one made my list as well. Number five uh, for me, I, I cheated a little bit and I had a tie. I had a tie between Chris Benoit versus Kurt Angle from WrestleMania 17 and Eddie Guerrero versus Kurt Angle from WrestleMania 20. Both just outstanding matches, storytelling. Benoit and Angle is, almost looks like a shoot. Um, I'm pretty sure parts of it are a shoot. Uh, Guerrero and Kurt Angle are, is, is a much more pro wrestling kind of 
match, I would say, um, with a really spectacular heel finish. Um, just some all-time work from those guys. Absolutely. They're spectacular. All right. What's your fourth best match? Fourth for me is going to be Kurt Angle versus Brock Lesnar, WrestleMania nice. 19. Um, just be- before the botch and uh, having to do a quick F5 pin him finisher wrap it up because i might be dead uh kind of ending uh these guys were giving us a real shoot great match pushing each other tying each other up lots of holds lots of suplexes lots of cool spots keeping it in the ring really wrestling uh it had a very authentic feel to it and that's the kind of thing that i really love in matches yeah that's a great pick i think that one didn't make my top five but i if it had a different ending <laughs> and i wish brock i'm sure brock i'm sure brock yeah. lesnar wishes it had a different ending too it would have made my top five my fourth one was Shawn michaels versus bret hart the iron man match from wrestlemania 12 um again mm-hmm. just you know bret hart is my all-time favorite um best there is best there was etc etc um it's interesting to me to watch sort of the kind current sort of renaissance of bret hart um with some of the guys like cm punk and like dax from ftr they've been tweeting and um talking a lot about you know that the perspectives that bret hart had on wrestling at the time seemed maybe a little too self-serious or a little like out of touch but like in a lot of ways he was really right about what makes for great wrestling and i think this this match is a really good example of it sean you know i i'm not a i'm not a fan of the man or of the work Uh, i recognize what people like about him but i do think that these two together had enough of a like a clash of styles that they really worked well um and so that that match is fantastic the end kind of pisses me off a little bit because there's sort of that moment where Sean like kind of barks at, at Brett to get out of the ring. Cause this is my fucking moment or whatever he says with the belt. Um, seems like kind of yeah. a big move, you know? Um, but that, that's a fantastic match. Yeah. I think those modern day, these CM Punk FTR, these guys, uh, focusing so much on Bret Hart and it is basically because Bret Hart was probably the most authentic person in wrestling ever he's very he took it very seriously he understood it he understood the business he understood the the athletics of it he understood the the dangers of it and when he talked his 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 mic work always seemed very authentic that it was very real he was talking to you he wanted to win he wanted that that like he kept it competitive he always prevented he always presented a very competitive uh, real athletic authentic persona and i think that's kind of the stuff that like dudes like cm punk and ftr respond to and are wanting because that's what they want in their wrestling they want the mat work they want they want logical flow in their work they want to have real grind out matches they want it to look like a real athletic competition again they're tired of the flying spots the group of people waiting outside of the ring so someone can do an acrobatic jump over the top rope onto them. Uh, I think those guys are kind of tired of the spot-to-spot wrestling, and they want to have uh, a renaissance and call back to the old-school kind of look. And that's the kind of stuff that we saw with, like, Brett and Stone Cold and Brett versus Owen, Brett versus Yokozuna, 
Brett, you know, yeah. all these great matches, Brett versus Mr. Perfect at SummerSlam. Sweet Jesus, yes. Oh my God. <laughs> you know, so I think, I think that's what those guys are responding to. And I think they're completely right. And I think that's why FTR is one of our shared favorites yeah. these days. It's why I I like seeing CM Punk back in AEW. He fits very well there. It's why I like Brian Danielson. It's why I like William Regal. And I love the angle that they're doing with William Regal right now and stuff. This isn't a show about AEW. This is a show about WrestleMania. So I'm going to stop <laughs> there. But I think my general point is, is that that's what those guys are responding to in Bret Hart and his approach to professional wrestling. Yeah. I think you're a hundred percent on point. And I, I, so I also think, um, that the more of the Shawn Michaels style, you know, the sort of the flying, the flipping, the, um, you know, the, the flash, right. Rather than a substance has been the norm for quite a while now, or is the current, uh, you know, what's in style, but like everything else, you know, styles come back around every 20 years or so. Right. So we're, we're definitely overdue for a Bret Hart style renaissance. We went to that AEW show and when there was good mat work happening, the crowd was really into the match. Yeah. The crowd's going to ooh and ah at like the young bucks doing like a 450 frog splash somersault triple lutz off the top rope, but they're also going to recognize solid reversals of headlocks and arm bars and into like an Irish whip into the ropes and like a corner work and like submission holds on the mat and stuff like that. And I think AEW is starting to recognize that. And that's why we're seeing like this past week, that was an excellent match between Jay lethal and John Moxley and another good, and another good one between Brian Danielson and uh, uh, what's his name? Wheeler Yuta. Yeah, where again, sort of, sort of old school, and I think we're kind of going off on a tangent here, but I think what makes that stuff stand out is is all the other flippy stuff. So when I see like a solid, you know, tie up, when I see a solid, you know, arm drag, take down, back up to it again, that kind of thing, uh, you know, I, I'm like, oh shit, because it, it, you know, it registers as this older thing that is very much ingrained, and that I still really enjoy. All right, that's enough of that. Bret Hart, good. Shawn Michaels, bad. Too much flipping bad, uh, athleticism and technique good. Number three, best match. What do you got? For me, number three was Rock versus Hogan at WrestleMania 18. It's Hogan's best WrestleMania match that we have seen from 1 to 20. It's the best one. He tells the best story. He does his best selling. He does his best work. He has the rock putting him over a lot. He does a great job putting the rock over. And then the vulnerability that we see out of him at the end of the match, like suddenly showing his age and being hobbled. Like you see him old and then suddenly in the middle of the match, he seems like a young man again. He's he's that 25-year-old Hulk Hogan out of Minnesota that's fresh in Madison Square Garden, ready to, ready to take the belt, you know, from uh, Iron Cheek. And, but then... The Rock finally, it like all of a sudden catches up to him, and The Rock beats him, and then Hogan is like hobbled and like holding his ribs and shakes The Rock's hand, and you know we see we see so much storytelling out of Hogan there that I think one his previous gimmicks, his previous All American gimmick in WWF just didn't let him have. Like he could never show himself as vulnerable. He could get beat up and sell to someone for like five or 10 minutes, but then he needed to get up and he needed to shake and he needed to land three punches, a boot and a leg drop and get out of there. Wave the American flag, 
real American point flex for 10 minutes. And then that's it. There's no room there for him to really show his chops and the rock gives him that space to do it. Yeah. That's an excellent match. Um, it's on my list as well. Uh, very surprisingly emotional. I think we both sort of recognized when we were watching it that this is really something special, you know, sort of a, a major stars from two generations coming together, and but not in a gimmicky way, not in a kind of fake sort of, you know, let's just throw these guys in the ring in, in a way that really made a lot of emotional sense. And I, like you said, I think Hogan is given the opportunity there to do some stuff that he just hasn't been able to do before and i think you know coming up in the glory days of hawkamania a lot of that story a lot of that appeal or brand was about his invincibility you know and he would get beat down and beat down and beat down and then he would get up and um and make the comeback right and um so it's interesting now here to see him a little aged a little gray in the beard not able to get up and make the return the way he has but still sort of a proud warrior um, so that, that's a fantastic match. My third was the rock versus stone cold, that no DQ match from WrestleMania 15, which you talked about as your number five pick. So we won't go over that again. And then my number two pick was actually the rock versus Hogan from WrestleMania 18. So we won't go over that again. I kind of thought that we would have an awful lot of overlap here. So what was your number two match? My number two was Kurt Angle versus Chris Benoit at WrestleMania 17 won't have to go into too much of that. I just really enjoyed how those two work together. I was caught off guard by it. That was partially by the reason why I picked this. Like I had already, I already was a big Chris Benoit fan because I watched a bunch of his stuff on nitro and the WCW stuff that I used to watch that you didn't. Um, I, I loved him as a horseman. So I was excited for him to have a match And at this point in time, watching these, I didn't have fond recollections of Kurt Angle. I never liked Kurt Angle's like character back in the day and stuff like that. But now I understand a bit more grown up, not watching in the time. I understand that Kurt Angle is like the perfect foil to Stone Cold. He's clean. He's an all-American champion. He plays by the rules and stuff, kind of, but he is actually, actually kind of villainous by doing it. But him and Chris Benoit definitely seem to completely throw down and have a total shoot match here. And like Benoit is doing some spectacular maneuvers to get uh, Kurt Angle into his cross face. And Chris is reversing Angle's holds and they're scrumming on the mat and stuff like that. And it's just some really great stuff out of those two that like it would ping pong back and forth between like legit holds and stretches to professional wrestling moves and then back. And the way they made it seamless was really what, what put this match way up on my list. Yeah, definitely a fantastic match and and a real sleeper. Again, I had the same reaction when I picked that as a tie for my fifth. Um, I think when we're watching that WrestleMania, we're messaging each other. You're like, wait, do you get to this match? I'm like, Oh yeah, I was ready. So, all right, I have a feeling we're both gonna I think have the we same do. match as as our number one. Should we try to say sure. it at the same time, or should we just? Okay, we're gonna do it on three, three, two. Well, well I guess we'll do it on one, three, two, one. Brett, Brett versus, versus Austin. Stone Cold. Yeah, <laughs> that <Yeah>. was terrible. <laughs> WrestleMania 13, Stone Cold Steve Austin versus Bret Hart. Oh, it had um, everything. Ugh, yeah, what do you want to say about this one? It had great technical work. It had great brawling. It had like great use of color. It had 
drama and storytelling and then it's finished where we're stone cold he's been sitting that sharpshooter for i swear to god like 10 minutes and he's like screaming and like pounding on the mat and he's not giving up and brett's is leaning back harder and harder ken shamrock is a perfect guest referee to staying out of the action not getting in his face going what do you say what do you say because this is another i quit match <laughs> that you know but he's staying out of it and uh stone cold finally just passes out because he can't he can't bring himself to say that he gives up and then brett doesn't release the hold and suddenly brett's an asshole oh yeah what an a-hole yeah so austin comes into that one as the heel and brett comes in as the face and they sort of both they turn and this is one of those cases man we saw it in that rock and hogan match where the audience just gets it like immediately yeah. you know they just they instinctively feel what's happening and they're like oh shit all of a sudden austin is the good guy now because he refused to give up you know he's just he's so tough he's never going to quit and brett is now the bad guy because he you know he does hasn't after all his his whole life his whole spiel about being a, a rules guy right and taking the business seriously now he's acting like a total a-hole and he's not breaking the hold he's inflicting unnecessary pain and punishment on stone cold um yeah and there's hints yeah. of it happening so like the crowd is starting to turn on brett at the start of the match there's some negative signs on him but like it's still like brett hart and people can't bring themselves to hate him and the only thing that he can do is crippled stone cold it's it's just a fantastic work of art it's 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 a mona lisa of wrestling like i bet if we do like a one to a one to 40 wrestlemania retrospective in like a couple years this match is still going to be at least in the top five if not still number one yeah, yeah it's still gonna be up there and the um you know, around this time of year is, is when WrestleMania has happened. So it's been the anniversary of that one here, maybe a week or two ago. Um, and everybody is, you know, talking about it and posting about it and tweeting about it. And I literally can't get enough of people talking about that mask. match. And again, the crimson mask. <laughs> and again, it's, you know, all this stuff that, that makes Bret Hart. Well, both of these guys really, but I'm going to just gush about Bret Hart a little bit more. Just some of the stuff that just makes him so uh, incredible. You know, his, his ability to, do both cold technical and then also just serious violence um, and storytelling and you know his face is always on point you know he always telegraphs exactly what he's doing with his face uh, a lot of a lot of guys you know sometimes forget that part of the whole thing he's um, a serious so, guy that's that was his whole gimmick yeah. is that he's serious yeah you know the excellence of execution. He's the best there is, the best there was, the best there ever will be. Like, that's a serious statement. Like, there's no lightheartedness <laughs> with Bret Hart. You never, like, like even in, like, his kind of jokey feud with Jerry Lawler about, like, the Hart family and stuff like that, Bret is fucking s as serious as a gunshot wound through that whole thing. And it just sells it. <laughs> yeah. It just makes it so much better. We love Bret Hart. Bret Hart, call us. Come on the show, Bret Hart sponsor us <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll gladly call ourselves the the brett the hitman heart uh talking podcast we'll talk about you as much as yeah. you want yeah we'll review a, a brett hart match every and single then talk episode. about it for five hours it's fine yeah people will throw up so yeah it's uh 
So those are our, those are our top five matches from WrestleManias 11 through 20. Some really good stuff in the in a sort of uneven batch of WrestleManias, I would say. Yeah, and I mean, even WrestleMania 20 was pretty decent. But there's there's this this level of mediocrity that happens in between 13 and 20. That's just kind of uh, it's it's a little it's understandable, kind of you know, given the historic moment and some of the stuff that's going on. So that's where we've been. So where do we anticipate going for the next 10 WrestleManias? So I made a few notes about kind of some of the stuff that we're coming up on here. So the Ruthless Aggression era continues until about 2008 or so. So I think we can look forward to a whole lot more John Cena, Yeah. Uh, which, you know, depending on how you feel about that, uh, I'm sort of excited about it. I haven't seen that much John Cena. I've liked what I've seen of him in the ring, <laughs> what I've seen of him in the ring. You can't see him. I can't. Well, apparently I haven't. So I'm I'm excited about that. There'll be a whole lot more Brock Lesnar. He gets a huge push. I know you'll be really excited to know we're going to get a whole lot more Randy Orton. Triple H, of course, gets his just really unprecedented push. Um, they just really insist on shoving him down the throats of the viewers for a long stretch here. Um, Ray Mysterio, of course, uh, he has a knee injury that keeps him out for about two years, but otherwise he'll be around. There's the a um, lot of stuff for Edge. There's a big push for Batista. The Undertaker kind of becomes the WrestleMania guy. You know, we're sort of uh, what ten? How how far are we into the streak? At WrestleMania this point? Seven is the first it's, one, so we're thirteen in. Yeah, he missed yeah. one or two in there, um, but yeah, so he's that becomes a big deal every time. Uh, and Bobby Lashley actually shows up during the ruthless aggression era for his first yeah i think also drew mcintyre actually shows up for the first time he's like Vince mcmahon's like henchman or something like that at one point oh right yeah before he gets fired um eddie guerrero tragically dies in 2005 and just you know loss of a incredible talent Um, chris benoit also you know passes 2007 yep um cm punk makes his debut in 2006 there's going to be sort of a return of ECW. It gets its own show. I think it was on the Sci-Fi Channel. Yeah, remember yeah. that? Um, I didn't watch it really, but <laughs> we, we're we're. Ch- I don't know that anybody watched it, but I I do remember Rob Van Dam being all over that thing. Um, so he, he's back for a little bit, and then I would say around 2008 to 14. That's when you know what some folks kind of refer to as the PG era for the WWE. Um, you know, they're really kind of trying to make it a more family-friendly product. That's sort of when guys start being outright forbidden from blading during matches. You know, no more no more color, no more Stone Cold losing a gallon of blood. Well, I mean, that's because um, the people that grew up watching the Attitude Era, they want them to bring their kids to the show. And no one's going to bring their kids to the show for a goddamn bra and panties match. <laughs> or, like, right. no one's going right. to no bring their kid to, like, watch like the undertaker get his arm cut off or some or like the big boss man being hung from the ceiling right like (laughs) you know somebody putting an actual electric chair right i mean that's that's pretty much what they were pushing in the attitude era like i mean there was when did like the the big boss man big show funeral like stealing the coffin thing happen but i mean you wouldn't bring your kid to watch that (laughs) Yeah, along the PG era also has a sort of a bigger role for for the women's division, um, and it's more about the matches and less about the sort of TNA, which is not, which is a nice development. Uh, let's see who else comes in in that era. Uh, Sheamus shows up. That dude has been around for forever. He has not gotten any 
less pale. Uh, Alberto Del Rio, who I actually kind of like, he shows up around that time. Shawn Michaels finally retires in 2010 for good. Or at least one of his eyes does. We're not sure where the other one is. Um, also around 2010 is the launch of uh, NXT, which is sort of the original format season where they had a sort of a, an amateur, you know, up and comer paired with a established talent. And those first, you know, first few seasons, 2010, 2011, uh, guys like Daniel Bryan, Ryback, Boo, Wade Barrett, Bray Wyatt, Titus O'Neil, Darren Young, uh, Byron Saxton all came through there. Women like Naomi and AJ. Uh, and, you know, those, some of those folks are still on the roster. Some of them are in, um, you know, more on mic roles and less in the ring, obviously. Well, but... everybody in WWE right now is more of a microphone role than a in ring. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Yeah, a whole lot of talking, not a whole lot of wrestling. Uh, okay, a couple more things here. CM Punk's famous pipe bomb promo is 2011, and the Shield, um, you know, heel stable. We call them a stable or a faction. They're, They're a faction. faction. They're not big enough to be a stable, I guess. Yeah, the Shield um, comes around in 2013, uh, as well as the Rock comes back in 2013. So that's some of the stuff that you can look forward to for the next 10 WrestleManias, yeah. 21 to 30. Did you have any others that you know of? Uh, more just in general uh, things that there's going to probably be fewer matches and longer talking segments, which starts probably the reason why I stopped ordering pay-per-views at this point in time. It's like, I don't need to pay $50 to watch an exaggerated episode of Monday Night Raw. I think the shows in general are going to get longer from here on out. Like I don't think so like WrestleMania 20 seemed like an anomaly at being four and a half hours long, but I think that's going to become the norm probably. So you're saying we're going to need um, a whole lot more time to do this podcast. We're going to maybe quit our jobs. Yeah. And I mean, we're going to see more of the internet influence on, on wrestling and storytelling in general. Um, Kayfabe is going to fade a little bit more. Uh, John Cena is going to have the meteoric rise and then the crowd turn on him uh, when he turns face and then spend too long his face and the crowd will want him to turn heel and he won't um, just because the younger generation are buying the shit out of his merchandise. And so they can't turn him bad ever again. It's kind of like the Hulk Hogan thing in WWF where if they had ever turned him heel, they would stop selling merchandise of him. Right. Because all the kids love him and the kids drive the t-shirt sales. And so John Cena is selling a ton of merch. I think he actually even like surpasses Austin in the merch market and uh, they can't turn him face or they can't turn him heel because people will stop buying the wristbands and the, <laughs> the you can't see me hats and the and t-shirts the kids will cry. Also, John Cena will go through a phase where he pretends to be in the military because um, he was in that movie, the Marine. And then after that, he's like saluting and he's pretending to be a Marine and wearing camo to the ring and stuff. I'm like, dude, it was a movie. <laughs> he, it's method acting. He's been method acting for 20 years. Yeah. He still acts like he was in the military. Yeah. So it's weird. I think it's because he has that haircut, you know, it's like people are just going to believe it. So, right. Yeah. I mean, that, the John Cena phenomenon is, is a really interesting one. And we'll obviously get into that as we get into this next batch of WrestleManias. Those from WrestleManias 11 through 20 who are no longer with us include William Moody, a.k.a. Paul Bearer, Bam Bam Bigelow, Q 
King Kong Bundy, Howard Finkel, Mr. Fuji, The Rocket Owen Hart, Pat Patterson, Rowdy Roddy Piper, The British Bulldog Baby Boy Smith, Nikolai Volkov, Reggie White, Yokozuna, Classy Freddy Blassie, Chris Candido, Vic Damone, Stu Hart, Jose Lothario, Mr. Perfect, Kurt Hennig, The Ultimate Warrior, Vader, Captain Lou Albano, China, aka Joni Lauer, Crush, Road Warriors Hulk and Animal, Rocky Johnson, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, Luna Vachon, Chris Warren, Big Boss Man, Gorilla Monsoon, Test, Chris Benoit, Dustin Diamond, Michael Clark Duncan, Fabulous Mula, Mabel, a.k.a. Viscera, Eddie Guerrero, Brian Christopher Lawler, a.k.a. Grandmaster Sexy, Crash Holly, Mae Young, Earthquake John Tenta, Kamala, a.k.a. James Harris, Lemmy from Motorhead, Matthew Anoa'i, a.k.a. Rosie, Garrison Cade, Salvador Guerrero III, a.k.a. Chavo Sr., Bobby the Brain Heenan, Junkyard Dog, Mean Gene Okerlund, Harley Race, Superfly Jimmy Snuka, and Big John Stud. But I think that's all we have to say about this this batch. So we thank everybody for joining us. Uh, and again, a reminder, you can reach us online at allthewrestlemanias.com. You can find us on Twitter at WrestlemaniaPod. You can always email at us, allthewrestlemanias at gmail.com. We love hearing from you. Send us your thoughts, your suggestions, your comments, your complaints, your random curse words, uh, your nudes. No, don't send nudes. Um, feet. Send your feet. Ew, no. Send your, send your gifts of the rock uh, hitting... Ken Shamrock with a chair. We love that. Um, so, but for now, I'm your co-host, Tim Hackman. And I'm Rich Sigwell. Saying so long, everybody. 